Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. Chris Warwardale joined by Greg Crone. Greg, how you doing? I'm pretty good. This week's episode brought to you by Technical Difficulties. Oh uh, always a lot of fun. Yeah, and the the wanton desire to commit suicide because of them. Well, hey, what can you do? <sighs> I mean, you know, therapy's probably a good idea. But probably. past that, yeah, no, the, the, the setup has not been operating smoothly in the latter part of the day but that's all right we've got plenty of talk plenty of talk about (laughs) and my brain not working smoothly in the latter part of the day we have plenty to talk about Uh, i've got bavada sportsbook open in front of me and we're going to take a look at all of the lines for this weekend's nfl games the ncaa championship game and a lot of other great stuff but uh, before we get to that gregory I think we would be remiss to not discuss what uh, what took place on Sunday night in front of a national television audience. How did you feel about what happened during the Philadelphia Eagles game? Wow. We're actually going to do this. Okay. I'm fine with that. It was what one would call an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment yes. for a franchise who I thought there was a new normal thought this was the new normal there you are you're holding up the vince lombardi trophy on the uh, art art museum stairs and you said this is the new normal and that new normal eh, it's getting nate F- sudfeld some snaps in the fourth quarter of a three-point game <laughs> and i get it i get the draft position part of it i do listen six versus nine it matters it matters for yeah. teams that have competent front offices it doesn't mm. matter for a team like the philadelphia eagles that doesn't uh they the point of this whole Jalen Hurts experiment is to find out if you have someone who can replace Wentz or if this was a four-game hiccup, we'll figure it out in the offseason, we'll talk it out, we'll go from there, and that's what we're going to do. And instead, what you got was, hey, this is a tight game against the team that's leading the division. We're going to take you out. We're going to take you out. Nate Sudfeld's going to get a couple snaps, and he deserves it. We're not sure what he is after being here for four years being completely <laughs> unplayable, terrible yeah. in the preseason. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. But the people that – see, I can view that as an Eagles fan and tell you it's embarrassing for the franchise. It fractures the locker room to the coaching staff even more, yeah. uh, which I think is, is inexcusable. If you're Whoever's making that decision – I know Doug said publicly it's my decision, yada, 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 but we know where it came from. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, to, me, to me, the bigger issue here – is these people that are acting like teams never do stuff like this. We watched... This was pretty egregious, though. Egregious, sure. How about sitting your starting quarterback against a team that needs to win in the playoffs when there's a five-way tie for four spots? Sure. Is that not egregious? You sat the guy who could potentially be the defensive player of the year on the other side of the ball if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is that egregious? Well, I mean... but that's protecting your players leading into the playoffs. That's fine. But you are if you want to talk about, you want to have Joe Judge stand up there and talk about disrespecting the game, mm-hmm. the Steelers did not put their best players out there for whatever reason. They, they have their own reasons. It's to, to protect them for next week. That's fine. But in that case, under the same pretenses, they disrespected the game. Disrespected the game, a game where guys go for 60 minutes. This is what it is. The, mm-hmm. the other teams were relying on the Browns to potentially lose to have a playoff spot. I didn't see the Miami Dolphins players tweeting about it. I didn't see that. I don't see Joe Judge standing there talking about that. Uh, it's it's preposterous. People people on, on the talking head shows talking about million-dollar fines for Doug Peterson. Give me a break. Did it mm-hmm. stink? Was it terrible? Is it embarrassing? Did it stink that the season as a whole for the NFL ended with that garbage? Absolutely. But please spare me. I struggle with this a little bit. You, you, I guess you brought on a couple of points that I'll hit on as well. The New York Giants thing, yeah. I, I heard the Joe Judge press conference. I've seen what the Giants have tweeted. I've seen how angry they are. 
I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to talk to me about talk to me about the playoffs, win more than six games, then we'll talk about the playoffs. The Giants didn't make the playoffs because they don't deserve to make the playoffs, not because the Eagles did them some great disservice. Now, okay, that's where that's where things end in terms of the it's it's all right. I'm not worried about it. This was a disaster. This entire game was a disaster. It was two teams playing, one who had nothing to play for, the other who had everything to play for. Neither one of them deserves to be a playoff team. The fact that the Washington football team is going to make the playoffs, that's embarrassing in its own right, but that's not the problem we're here to discuss. It's playing Nate Sudfeld. And we know that going into this game, there was always a plan to play Nate Sudfeld. You got to lay the groundwork. Well, now... (laughs) Do I believe that they needed to evaluate Nate Sudfeld, a guy who, like you said, has been here for three years, who has played in games before? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. But even if they thought they did, there's a big difference in playing Nate Sudfeld for three drives, four drives in the th- second quarter than there is going to him as the the faulty closer at the end of a game. They knew putting Nate Sudfeld into that game gave them the best chance to lose. That's gross to me. I want a draft pick as much as anybody. I've seen people do the math that the difference between the sixth pick and the ninth pick in the draft is worth roughly an extra second round pick in terms of total value. But that's gross to me. Doug Peterson had this had this meeting with Jeffrey Lurie a couple of days prior, presumably he was told his job was not on the line, and he really did something that flew in the face of competitive football in trying to lose a game. I've made the arguments time and time again that players and coaches don't tank. Front offices tank. Front offices set up rosters that aren't conducive to winning. This is the first time I can ever remember seeing a coach tank. They forced it. He, they forced the Eagles to lose that game. Like it's we not, don't know that. Well, we do not know that. You know it by taking out the guy that was giving you a chance to win for a yeah. guy you knew wasn't going to give you uh, a chance to win. Is your argument that, that Doug was forced into the decision or that it was forced? Uh, no, I think I think Doug forced it. I don't think... I don't okay, okay, yeah. okay. I agree, with, I agree with that. Yeah, no. He tanked. Doug for, Peterson tanked. For him to... There's no, there's no two ways about it. For him to stand up there, and, the, and I know we talked about, because I was screaming via text message about the post-game press conference because <laughs> I, I purposefully stayed up just to watch whatever whatever horse shit that Doug was going to give you on Sunday night. Yeah. And to stand up there and say that I wanted to get Nate some snaps and uh, Nate, or I, I was playing to win the game, you're just lying. Like, you're just yeah. lying to everyone. It's not it, – you can't cover that up, man. And, and if you see the comments that Miles Sanders made, like, you officially lost yeah. the locker room. You want to talk about having a quick hook next year? And I know the roster is going to be wildly different, right? We're going to be seeing a lot of different faces, guys who weren't a part of this situation. But there are still going to be guys in this locker room that know the best interests for them. It's not the team. It's not Doug doesn't have their best interests. Doug, Doug's looking out for Doug and, and mm-hmm. the front office. It's not about what the product is on the field. And, like, it's a direct slap in the face. That Kelsey video that, that's been circulating ever since the Wentz benching uh, yeah. that's talking about winning and how important winning is, you play to win. Like, you you essentially took that and just threw it out the window with that move on Sunday. It's it, Sitting here watching it was so disheartening going into an offseason that was already going to be bad for that to be the last 15 minutes that we saw. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre decision. It, it's, like... Don't don't just lie about it. Like don't lie. It's it's just an overall. The the franchise is in complete turmoil to begin with. If you watch the the, the post uh, the end of season stuff with Howie and Doug, that was a complete nightmare. Like it's all bad. It's all so bad. But Sunday you you can't do that. It's 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 not disrespectful to the game, but like it's extra disrespectful to your own team to the guys that that. Did that went through training camp, went through all these freaking po- uh, protocols for COVID, missed time with their families and things like that. Like they want to win. They don't give a shit about who that draft pick is the next year. That's not important to them. Because if anything, no. that's the guy who, depending on the position, you may not be on the roster next year because of that person. You know, like it, it's trash. It's complete trash. I I, I hated it.
I I have a hard time arguing with anything that you just said. It was embarrassing what happened. And the, the one silver lining in all of this in my mind is that Doug may have gone into that game safe, but I don't know that he is anymore. You know, Jason Kelsey was angry with him during the game and went up to him to have a conversation about it. Miles Sanders said what he said on the radio. And allegedly, a number of defensive players had to be held back uh, in from going up to Doug and arguing with him during the game because they want to win. These guys don't show up to lose on national television. That's just not how the players work. And the fact that Doug did is, like I said, it's gross. And I want, I didn't like this guy for, you know, for some time now. And you know that I harp on Peterson all the time. I didn't, I just want him gone now. The, the Epps interception gives you prime field position down three. You get to fourth and goal. As soon as he was going for it, I was like, oh, we're like, if you were trying to win this game, you would just tie it up here. And, but then yeah. you have to factor in big balls, Doug, and that, that dumb <laughs> analytics crap that never, never works in our favor. It's just completely made up. Play the, play the football game. Stop worrying about math problems. Um, wow. I don't agree with that. That's I do fine. think that I do think that Doug was a great play caller when he had Frank Reich's calls uh, plays to call. Yeah, and that's that's even a bigger thing. The team doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Like, what are we doing? When what about the, Rich Scangianello? When's the like, when's the last time you had an NFL team go? You know what? We're just gonna ride without an offensive coordinator for the season. Like that's we're what? just gonna do that. And what's scary is in the past couple of weeks, we've heard Doug say, well, there's too many voices in the room. People should just be listening to me. Ugh, man, it is. It's a complete dumpster fire, Chris. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon, which is the saddest part of all of it. Because you're going to deal once you're probably, if not, I don't know what this team looks like next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hertz's press conference wasn't exactly like, yeah, I'll give, I'll, I'll, I'll give it up to Carson if we have to. The next his yeah. exit interview. So it's like, man, I don't know what S- they do. Speaking of press conferences, can we talk about the, the kind of heartbreaking press conference from Zach Ertz? Oh, the the Ertz the Ertz Kelsey Carson thing on the field, the Ertz post game by himself on the field, yeah. and then you watch the press conference conference and you're like, I get it's a business, man, but that's a guy who specifically wanted to be here. He loves yeah. this city. He And I believe me, I, I understand football, the cap. He's a 31-year-old tight end uh, coming off not the best season in the world. But let's, let's be real. That dude is the definition of what you want when you draft a guy. Oh, yeah. And, and, in every way. Yeah. And I know that he said his, him and Howie's relationship is fine, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but to watch to watch the end of that press conference and him talk about the fans and all that stuff, it is it's it's literally heartbreaking. It's it's tough. You are a thousand percent right, and I don't like to admit that Zach mm. Ertz is. When you draft someone, you hope you get a Zach Ertz. This is a guy who was amongst the best players in the world at his position for a very long time, who put up you know record breaking statistical numbers. And who, alongside his wife, Julie, has been an outstanding citizen of Philadelphia. This is the dream. And, you know, the unfortunate reality is more likely than not that dream is over because, you know, he is a 31-year-old tight end and he's about to make a lot of money. I mean, are you telling me that in that draft you got Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, and then the, no. I mean, the the absolutely un, unmatched Benny Logan? <laughs> I don't know which one worked out better. I don't know. It, it, I, it's going to stink. It's going to sting watching Zach Ertz catch passes somewhere else. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that's just going to be the case. It just is. There's no way to hang on to him for another year despite his contract. It's it's going to stink. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be the only one that it stinks when he leaves this offseason. No, you know, I, I've, I've been saying that for quite a while. There's going to be some really tough decisions that were made. Easier decisions today. Uh, they re- reworked a couple of contracts, the uh, the contracts of Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson, and you know people would think, oh, they reworked the contracts, so these guys are staying. No, they're not. They reworked these contracts so they can cut them earlier. Uh, Alshon and Malik knew they were going to get cut, and now they'll be cut immediately rather than post June first cuts. So that's nothing more than contractual. They are they are done as Philadelphia Eagles. That is over. It's. I- 
but certainly that's not the end. I'm fine with with Alshon. That's whatever. He he hasn't been serviceable for the last year and a half, basically. Our deep threat. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Kill it. Killed it. Uh, but believe me, the Super Bowl year, he was unbelievable. It was absolutely sure. unbelievable. Since then, he dropped a pass in a playoff game that ended the season the next year. Like, it's it's tough. It's tough. Alshon had a tough couple of years after the Super Bowl. Malik Jackson really only got one year out of him, if we're being honest, because he, he broke his foot or whatever, yeah. game one of his first season with us. If quarter one of game one. Yeah, it's so so. I mean, that's that's tough, obviously, but it's it's a little bit less of a. Yeah, it's gonna stink to lose him because he's been here for a while. It's more of like a. Yeah, he's all right. He's a good player, but I don't really, you know, it's not as noticeable as some of the other guys. Well, I think we're gonna move to you know the there's a bigger shoe to drop at defensive tackle in the form of Fletcher Cox. So. I think there is a legitimate chance that we go from this what seems incredibly formidable trio of of Cox and Jackson and Hargrave to Hargrave and whoever we add. Ugh, that's And Javon Hargrave is a he's a very good football player. He really came on in the second half of the season, but he's not Fletcher Cox. Who is? There really yeah. isn't anybody but Fletcher Cox. So I don't no, that Aaron Donald guy's pretty good. Yeah, all right. Okay. So one, <laughs> there's one other guy who's up there. I mean, that losing Fletcher Cox will be probably the hardest, I think, of all of them, just because of how how dominant he's been since he's been here. You know, so uh, that's, that's you don't get one. those guys. The, no. Those guys do not come along very often. That's what happens when you hit on draft picks. It's weird. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brandon Graham. Graham makes his first Pro Bowl this year, although. Still only eight sacks. It's, this is this has always been Brandon Graham's kryptonite. It's actually getting to the quarterback. And he got there that's one time it mattered. So that's, that's true. That's that's really it. That's fair. That does cement his legacy in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, it's it, Graham. Graham's been. I mean, I know when we picked him, it was sort of like, huh? It wasn't. It wasn't exactly like the home run pick, but he's been. It nothing, wasn't. He wasn't Earl Thomas. Yeah, who I it, thought we were trading up for. <laughs> it's been nothing short of spectacular, though. You can't you can't deny it. Not even a little bit. Eh, Earl Thomas would have been pretty good too. <laughs> eh, where's Earl Thomas now? Eh, I heard some rumors. Yeah, Earl Thomas might not be the best guy in the world, but he <laughs> he's a heck of a football player. Uh, it, when he's it not was, fighting it, his teammates at practice, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, all Brandon Graham is is a classy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I I watched. I remember watching uh, the All or Nothing on the Eagles. And it it's kind of it's like really sad to think about it now because my my takeaways were like the three guys who I want to be Eagles for the rest of their lives in some capacity were Zach Ertz, Brandon Graham, and Josh McCown. Well, McCown split early. He's like, nah, I'm good, man. Well, Thanks. I mean, somebody gave him an active the I, one I the one team that he would have signed with gave him an active roster spot. He didn't actually he didn't have to li- leave the town he was in. <laughs> Which is good. Good for Josh McCown. I can't blame yeah. him. I really, I hope McCown. I would love to see him back. I don't know that this is the right team for him to jump in as an offensive coordinator, but I do think he's going to be just an unbelievable coach in the very, very, very near future. Well, we'll see. I, 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 I just don't know what this team does. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they yeah. do at any point in time. They seem to be completely lost. Um, and I don't know what fixes it, honestly. Well, time heals all wounds, and unfortunately, I believe it it may take the benefit of time to deal with this one as well. Ugh, terrible. You're not kidding. Let's uh, let's talk about something else, something a little bit more fun. Upbeat? No, <laughs> even <laughs> even more morbid. Let's talk about our own mortalities, Gregory. That's we're, okay. We're not young men anymore. This is where I check out. <laughs> Another point for me. Um, no, I'm talking about NBA expansion. This was brought up today. It seems like it's a very real possibility that the NBA is going to be adding two expansion teams in the, in the future-ish. It's t- probably t- the absolute earliest would be the 2023 season, 2024 or 2025 more likely. And there just happens to be a new TV deal in 2025, which could coincide. Looks like two teams are going to be what it is. The uh, the five favorites here, uh, 
you know, you say you have, well, in this article lists uh, at the five favorites, no, no, uh, offense to Wolfgang sports who I found this list on, <laughs> but I think we might be forgetting a couple of teams. This includes Mexico city, uh, Vancouver, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, and Las Vegas. It completely ignores Louisville and Seattle, which I think are probably the two favorites. I don't, Louisville. Yeah. Hey, it's too much of a college town. It's too much of a college town. I'm down with bring Seattle back. You already have the Kraken coming in the NHL. Bring Seattle back. And, I mean, Vegas probably makes a lot of sense, too, especially with how well things seem to be going with the uh, the Golden Knights. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you want to talk about a team you would bet on? Whew, that Vegas team? I don't care if they're 25-point underdogs. NBA players, home game in Vegas. Guys, fly, the, the away team flying in, having the night in Vegas. I mm-hmm. mean, please. That is, you want to talk about finding found money. That <laughs> Vegas team would be, you would just be rolling in it. Why in the world would we have a team in Anaheim? Like, do we need another California team? <sighs> no. And it's, it's, it, you're just trying to match it up with other sports cities. Like they have the Ducks, they have the Angels. So you just throw it out there. I mean, people barely care about, like, I mean, well, especially for that location, like, Anaheim's not exactly far from Los Angeles. Like it's not next yeah. to it, but it's, well, it's pretty Disney close. World. Yeah, it's literally Disney World. Yeah, it's not or it's land. Not, I don't I don't know the difference. You're not gonna steal any of those fans. Like nobody's gonna care. You have to go to a place where you can garner new fans. Going to Anaheim, you're not gonna take people off the Lakers bandwagon. And for whatever you want to say, the Clippers, I guess they're okay now. But you're not gonna take people off their bandwagon to mm. to watch the Anaheim. Uh, I don't know. Mighty Ducks. Uh, you can call them the Mighty Ducks of basketball, too, I guess. Like, it's not going to work. Mighty Ducks of basketball? Yeah. I think we could do that. Uh, the, the Anaheim Air Buds. I'm fine with that. Any, anything uh, Disney-related, we can get a sick movie. There's angels in well, the outfield. It, it's going to be Disney-related. If they, I would have to think there would be some tie there. I mean, the Ana, the Mighty Ducks wore the duck mask from Mighty Ducks, too. I know. On, they did. It was amazing. It was their actual jersey for, like, several <laughs> years. <laughs> It was amazing, too. It was a great jersey. It was. It really was. Also, people sleep on Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the uh, Outfield is a solid movie. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll 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 spend some time discussing baseball <laughs> movies. Uh, let's. We'll even we'll even call it next week. We'll do it. <laughs> but not not this week. Let's talk. How do you feel about an expansion team in Pittsburgh? Ugh. I can't. I can't do it. And you're again. It's another situation where. You have too many teams geographically kind of near there, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to if you want to take um you know Cleveland fans, Cleveland's not exactly next to Pittsburgh, but it's not far. Uh there's definitely Cavs fans from there or at least there was when LeBron was there. Uh I mean, I just like Wizards fans in that general area. I know it's Washington, but it's mm-hmm. it's not that far. I just I don't and I also don't think Pittsburgh's necessarily a basketball town. Like, I, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have that basketball feel. You it know? feels right. Football, hockey, feel right. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not going to. And put the Pirates a so- exist. <laughs> you're not going to put a soccer team in Pittsburgh, even though I think there is like a League One USL yeah, team in Pittsburgh. But you're not. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, I was trying to find odds for the NBA expansion stuff on Bavada, but uh, it doesn't seem like they have updated that just yet. What do we think of what do we think of Kansas City? Mm, Missouri, it's they need something to do and they and they love their sports. They do. You would get a rabid fan base. Honestly, that's so if you want to look at it, Kansas City's probably a very good option because they, I compare it to similar to when the the New Orleans Hornets had to move to Oklahoma City because of Katrina. Mm-hmm. The fans in Oklahoma City flocked to it because all they really yeah. had there was college. You right. know, you don't have a pro team to latch onto. You're stuck with your college team, et cetera. And you just didn't you go just from there. didn't you just make the argument uh, the exact opposite argument for Louisville though? Right, but but <laughs> for Louisville, Louisville's so locked in on the like the Cardinals basketball team. If you talk about like Kansas City. I can't. I, there's not a ba- college basketball team that flies off like the top of my head that I'd be like, yeah. oh, you know what? That makes total sense. They have this. They have this. I think in this case, 
it would be similar to that Oklahoma City thing because let's be honest, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, those basketball teams are not exactly perennial winners from a college standpoint. Those are more football schools, et cetera. Yeah. But you threw pro basketball in there, and eventually it developed into they now have their own franchise. Kansas mm-hmm. City, I feel like, would have the same sort of thing. You would have people wanting to go, wanting to ch- check out the new team, et cetera, and being excited about having another professional sport in town. Do you think this is – I mean, they say they're adding two teams. Do you feel like this is a really one-horse race here in that Seattle's going to get one of the two? Absolutely. It's There's just no way. There's no way you could you, – you, you stole Seattle and sent them to Oklahoma City, and I think you have to give them a team back and make them the Supersonics again. Bring back oh, the yeah, Green Jerseys. Oh, yeah, for sure. Bring back the Green Jerseys. I need Gary Payton. I need <laughs> Sean Kemp can coach. Um, I don't know how great an idea that is. Listen, fine, fine. Sean Kemp can be the president of operations a la John Elway in Denver. We let Detlef Shrimp coach, Gary Payton's the GM, and we're fine. Is George Carl still around? He can go do something too. I don't know. I don't don't even know. George George Carl definitely never coached the Supersonics, did he? I'm thinking of the Nuggets. I'm not. No, I I do not believe he did. I have an in with Jim McElvain if we want the Shaq Stopper involved in some capacity. I'm perfectly fine with it. It is funny how every generation has a guy named the like whoever like one of the top players in the league is as that that guy's stopper. Like mm-hmm. PJ Tucker's a LeBron stopper. Jim McElvain apparently is the Shaq Stopper. Like he, Jim, Jimmy Mack got a huge contract because of how well he played against Shaq. That's great for him. I'm proud of him. And we had um, Byron Russell. Okay, I can live with Byron Russell. No, no, I'm saying Byron, speaking of the stoppers, Byron Russell oh, was the Jordan stopper. He was. Yeah, well, how'd that work out? Not great. Well, Jordan won a bunch. Honestly, the stoppers, <laughs> outside of Jim McElveen getting a sick contract, the stoppers <laughs> don't really work very well when they play the actual player that they're supposed to be known for stopping. It's a no, bizarre, that's a, bizarre that's turn entirely of true. That's entirely true. There's a lot of Ben Simmons stoppers in the uh, in the NBA right now, too. It's basically any player who is a similar height and athletic ability. Turns out Ben Simmons just is the stopper. Like, if you look at his defensive oh. numbers, he is the stopper. Yeah, they are they are fun. I uh, love so I love fun. watching this team. Huh, man, and you wanted James Harden. I mean, I still want James, I still want James Harden. No, absolutely not. Well, here's what's happening is we're pumping up the trade value of Tobias Harris right now. That's a good point. That's actually a very good point. Toby won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, he did. He did, and he's been averaging tw- – he has like 20 points in all but one game. Yeah, he is. Like, he came in and – you can tell that he took the break seriously because – and I'm sure Doc plays some ro- some role in it and probably a substantial role in it, but – he came back. He looks like he's in much better shape. He's only playing 31 minutes a game right now, scoring almost 20. The rebounds are at basically a career high, other than one half of one season in Orlando nine years ago. <laughs> and and he's shooting really, really well from the outside. Yeah. 47%. He's killing it. He's absolutely killing it, man. Like, like, he's an all-star right now. And, and maybe it's reuniting with Doc. Maybe that's what it was. That's all it took. And that's that's amazing and scary at the same time that that a coach could have that big of uh, of an impact, and there could be that wide of variance from one year to the next, just because of coach and scheme. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't surprise me uh, that actually it does surprise me. Sorry, misspoke. It does surprise me <laughs> how much coaching matters in the NBA. We watched we watched a guy in Brett Brown who looked like he didn't know how to coach these guys mm. for the last few years and especially last year. Obviously last year's weird extenuating circumstances. And now you see a, a sort of a differently formulated roster under a guy who has, has been around the head coaching game for a very long time and six games into the season they're a well oiled machine. Like I don't I don't get it. Seven, but seven, sorry. You are not giving them enough credit. They've now played one tenth of the season, basically. Unreal. Yeah, it really is. But I don't. I don't remember having this much fun watching this team play, like when they were actually good. When they were just starting in Joel's rookie year, that that was the most fun I remember having in a long time. When all of a sudden they were competitive every night and they were playing really, really well. 
this is so much fun. They're moving the ball. Seth has been a great fit. Danny Green's coming around. This just this has been wonderful, man. It's it's it makes it fun. I'm not watching the whole game just waiting to get mad, which <laughs> is a positive. Typically, I'm watching the whole game and just waiting to be like, Ugh, when are we gonna screw this up? In this case, I'm watching the game and I'm like, oh, this is this is fantastic, fun basketball. There's ball movement. We're, yeah. we're 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 knocking down shots when we're wide open. Like it's it's crazy. Ben made a three. It's and it's, it's so strange too because it's like the first half, the first third of that Hornets game was honestly it was not great basketball. And it's not that they weren't they weren't running the plays or they won't they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. It's just they weren't knocking down shots. And all of like I remember thinking that's all right. It'll it'll come around. This is a good shooting team. And I'm like, what am I? Where did that come from? It just comes out, and they can <laughs> they can do it at any point, which is crazy. Yeah, right now the Sixers sit plus sixteen hundred at Bavada to win the uh, win the NBA championship. Don't know if I'm a thousand percent willing to go to that yet, but I don't I don't hate plus six hundred to win the East. Like that's kind of interesting. I'm down with that. That's something I would absolutely put money on. This the Eastern Conference seems so screwed up and so sort of even that anybody can beat anybody on any given night as far as the top tier teams go. Plus 600 is a steal. Yeah, man. There, I know the Nets have been pretty good, but I really do feel like these odds. Are are still made a little bit to uh, I believe I've used the phrase separate a fool and his money <laughs> because the Nets plus was one fifteen at Pavada for the Atlantic Division. I think it feels like that's not right when the Celtics are plus three twenty five and the Sixers are plus two hundred. I mean, you're losing you, the loss of Dinwiddie really hurts them. I think well, that, and it takes them out of the James Harden conversation too. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it. It really hurts them a lot right now, and. Uh, they haven't looked. They have. Let's just put it this way: they haven't looked as good as I thought they were going to look after the first half of Game One of the season before we started recording a couple weeks ago. I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. Like they have left a lot to be desired, uh, and obviously there's still going to be chemistry issues and things like that with Kyrie and KD. Like that's just it's just going to be the case. But I, I mean, like I expected so much more out of them. They're dropping games to teams they shouldn't lose to, like consistently. For sure. While I'm looking at these basketball odds, I'd be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about the news that came out of college basketball in the last couple of days, and that's that they're basically going to have the entire NCAA tournament in bubble sites in Indiana. How do you feel about that? Well, let's go. I, I'm done with canceling things, so that's fine. Yeah. Let's make it as easy and as safe as possible. Bubble on up. Don't wear masks while playing. I feel like that's weird. If, unless if you saw the, the Holy Cross or BU game, one of the two. Yeah, that that's a little off-putting to me. I don't think that that's like you're already sweating on each other. Like I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like that's probably weird and probably overkill. Um, but bubble it up. Let's get a tournament. Jonesing to fill out a bracket. So let's get let's get started and and bubble these guys and make it as safe as possible. I just I just want to see an NCAA tournament. I need buzzer beaters. I need you know five. Uh, yeah, five, uh, twelve upsets. I need all this. Yeah, the mask stuff while playing is a little bit weird. I I first saw that watching watching highlights of Patrick Baldwin Jr. He's a guy who people are going to learn his name really quickly in the next couple of years. One of the top high school players in the country. Uh, he's a six nine small forward. Plays at Hamilton, and just he's a stud. And their team wears masks while playing, and it it does look. I mean, it looks weird, but I guess who cares if. If they deem it to be safer, then I guess who cares, right? Yeah, I guess. It's just it just feels weird. You know? I don't know. If it's safer, it's safer. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I I look forward to a time when we're we're talking about oh my do you remember when everyone was wearing masks and how weird that was? Hopefully it's sooner rather than later, buddy. Yeah, I had to go to the bank for some stuff the other day and it really, it really hits me the most when I'm in like a semi-professional, serious environment, hmm. and I'm sitting there trying to have a real conversation with people, and we're, you know I'm mumbling through a mask. 
Yeah, it does make it very weird. It's I, I can't I don't know. It's been like five days since I've left my house, so I'm not really <laughs> sure. God I'm bless. I'm not really sure what the outside world looks like anymore. God bless. Uh, in in terms of the NCAA tournament, the Zags, the favorites at Bavada plus three hundred, followed by Baylor at seven, Iowa and Illinois at thirteen, Villanova's at twelve. Where are you putting your money right now? I mean, they absolutely like Gonzaga. I know it's the the weird pick but them as the favorite like it makes the most sense they're the best team that they're you so have good. to do it you have to it's just like everything i've seen out of all these other teams that is the team that i think you have to beat if you want to win a championship so the money has to go on gonzaga yeah they're they're so good and they're so well coached and Anshu and i were having this conversation a little bit earlier about how weird it is that Gonzaga has managed to keep Mark Few there. They've done a great job. I mean, I guess, <laughs> like, it is amazing how they haven't, no one's been able to get him out of there. Uh, he must really like Washington State. Like, could you imagine what he of. could do at a big school? Well, with his recruiting ability alone. Exactly. I mean, it would be, it would be insane. Like, with those resources and the ability to, flaunt a duke or a kentucky or something like that out there he would yeah. be a legend i can't imagine few at kentucky that just feels weird but the the two schools that i think make a lot of sense for him in terms of being like legacy programs that he could bring back the prominence really quickly indiana is probably the one that makes the most sense in ucla does anybody ever win at indiana anymore though that's no the but bobby knight did it and mark few's winning at gonzaga <laughs> sure but the, i think Indiana college sports as a whole for the state, they just kind of all stink. Like there's just something about it. One of the, like one of the big ones I'm sure we'll get into later is uh, what we affectionately called on better's delight. Uh, Purdue West, Mm. um, the, the golden domers, those guys, uh, they stink, but, (laughs) but like that, there's just like this weird funk where teams from Indiana just don't, they don't do well. And and every time Indiana hires a new coach, I'm like, ah, this is it. This is the time. Like, they're going to come back. It's going to be Archie Miller that turns it around. Is it? I, is it? I don't <laughs> necessarily believe that. And, like, wasn't R.J. Lankford supposed to be the guy? Like, he yeah. was supposed to be the guy that brought them back to relevance. And, like, yeah, they always just sort of middle-of-the-road big tenant, and it's, it's never anything good. And UCLA is, like, they're – I, was their biggest mistake ever getting rid of uh, getting rid of uh, Ben Howland? Ben Howland, yeah, and, and like like was that their issue? The guy went to three straight Final Fours. Like I don't. Uh, granted, he didn't Not get it done. Good enough. Yeah, like granted, he didn't <laughs> get it done. But like I feel like that's where you make a mistake. Like you can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, p- people overreact to those types of things. We see it across all sports. It's just, it's just bad but like yeah. i could could mark few revive one of them i would try ucla before i tried indiana that's what that would be my advice to mark few not that he's asking for it but he's you know. both listening and asking for it but i i just think it would be really funny if the two best coaches in indiana history were bobby knight and mark few because they are the polar opposite human beings <laughs> i mean 100 percent, 100 percent different so it would be it would certainly lead to some uh some interesting confrontation, like interesting comparisons as they, as their records uh, matched up against each other. That's for sure. And by the way, congratulations to Devonte Smith the, winning the Heisman today. That is, man, did not see that coming to start the season. First wide receiver since 1991. Desmond, yeah, it's wild. I mean, and he, I mean, he makes a case for being the best wide receiver in SEC history, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and completely deserve to win the Heisman. Like, not even a question. His his numbers are just astronomical. The guy is, if you watched him in the game against Notre Dame, it's, it's unbelievable what the guy can do on the football field. I can't wait to pass on him for an interior lineman next year in the draft. I don't think it's going to be an interior lineman, but I would worry, you know, you, it could be uh, your good friend Micah Parsons could be the guy they pass for him, they Patrick would, Sertain Jr. I would be fine with Sertain. I, they're never going to draft a linebacker, so Parsons doesn't even come into into my eye line. Fine, they'll draft him and make him a defensive end. <sighs> of course they would. He was he was a defense he was a defensive end recruit. 
Of course he was. So why not just continue to make him something that he doesn't? He, he's not natural at playing. So why not? Can, can we address the fact that Micah Parsons has never actually been that good in college? I mean, like he, I, had, he had 106 tackles last year, but he has like six and a half sacks in his career. Never had an interception. He can tackle. Boy, can he tackle. All right. I, will, uh, I'll take I, believe, for I believe the line is uh, they sure can tackle. From Friday Night Lights, the movie, not the TV show. The real Friday Night Lights, a.k.a. Yes. Billy Bob's best vehicle. Eh, best is a stretch, but definitely the better of the two <laughs> Friday Night Lights. I respectfully disagree. Let's talk about <laughs> what's going to be such an unbelievably fun three days. We have got triple headers in wildcard weekend. Then we've got the NCAA championship game on Monday night. Starting on Saturday, uh, Indianapolis and Buffalo. Bavada has the Bills minus seven at home. Man, this is a tough one. Yeah, because it's a fun game. I was looking at I was looking at numbers today, just as far as like what what they score and what they average and things like that. And Buffalo averages like thirty two points a game at home. Indianapolis averages like twenty eight points away. But then you factor in the defenses. I, to me, if you can contain Indianapolis's run game, if you're mm. Buffalo. You can beat them relatively easily if you force to, if you have to force them to make Philip Rivers beat you. That's the best way to play this game, especially with the skill positions and the matchups, defense and offense. I don't see how I don't see how that works. Like I don't see how it could go in the favor of Indianapolis. The question becomes is how like the if you watch the Bills against the Dolphins, their offense looks like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. But that Colts defense is just so so good. Like I, it's going to be one of the best one o'clock Saturday matchups I think we've seen in a while. I lean more towards <laughs> the Bills because they're home. I'm just glad this isn't a Texans game. Like this is, I'm 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 excited. I think the Bills get it done and win their first playoff game in forever and cover. This next game, I mean, it's it's bizarre, but it's one of the least interesting games of the weekend to me, considering the state of both teams sort of limping into the playoffs. The uh, LA Rams head to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Bavada has the Seahawks minus four. Boy, did Seattle just sort of disappear as yeah. the season went on. Like they were the high flying fun team, ready to score, ready to go. And in it, lately they have just been like, all their games are a slog. They're not entertaining to watch. Like mm-hmm. every, every game comes down to like the last possession, but it's not even entertaining in the last possession, you know? Um, and the Rams, who knows who's starting a quarterback? Is it Wolford? Is it, is Goff going to be back in time? Does it matter? Um, probably not. I, I, I mean, I, I like the Rams in this spot because of their defense and they've shown twice already this year. They can contain, they can contain the Seattle offense. Seattle lost themselves when they started to move to this weird run heavy situation, Mm-hmm. And and it happened around like week seven or eight. Everybody was all hype on Russell Wilson. Carson kind of got healthy, and it's been nothing, nothing but the Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde show kind of ever since. And and with the talent they have at receiver, I think I think I know you want a balanced offense, but I think that that's where they went wrong this season a little bit, and that's where their struggles on offense have come from. I, I love the Rams as a dog. This is also the lowest over under at Bavada this weekend at forty two and a half. How do you how do you feel about that? I hate taking unders. Uh huh. But I... the last two times these teams have matched up, it has come uh, neither neither time and they've even combined for forty, I believe. Yeah, it's tough. And it's the playoffs, uh-huh. and there's the chance that it's well. If it's Wolford, there's almost no way it doesn't go under. So it let's let's put the caveat. If it's Wolford. I'm taking under 42. If it's Goff, we're going over. That's it. That's what we're doing. You trust Goff that much, or you just I, think he's better? He's that much better than Wolford? I think he makes a big difference, even with one one thumb. I think he's better. <laughs> with one thumb. Yeah, I don't know. He's been pretty bad for a while, but we shall see. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is ridiculous, play the Washington football team, and uh, Bavada has the football team plus eight and a half at home, also ridiculous. I mean, there's just no way Brady doesn't go and just light these dudes up. I know their defense is good, but that offense against the Bucks defense, it's not going anywhere. They struggled with a makeshift, nobody playing except for like one to one to three starters for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's 
I, I just don't see any way that the Bucks don't win this by two touchdowns. Like, there's just no chance. The Bucks have been scoring at will. Like, they, they look so good. I know Evans had that, that hyperextension of the leg, but no, no real structural damage. He's yeah. day-to-day. And even when you do that, so Evans goes out, and what happens? Oh, you just have Antonio Brown to replace him. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was like clockwork. That team is too talented. They have too many weapons. It was the best place for Tom Brady to go. They beat Washington big. Yeah, this is. Uh, I literally said exactly that to Anshu a couple of hours ago. I think this is at least a two-touchdown Tampa win. The Baltimore Ravens had the Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans, and Bavada's got those Titans plus three and a half. <sighs> Man, Titans are dogs at home? Yeah. Whew. Tennessee's defense stinks. The only problem is can Baltimore contain Derrick Henry? And this is the this is what happened last year to Baltimore. They got in that they got in this game as the one seed. They go up against Derrick Henry and what happens? It ends up going completely backwards for them. They get down early and they can't fight their way back. Different Tennessee defense this year. I don't think they're as good. The Ravens have been on an absolute roll. Now I know they're beating bad teams for the most part, but they're scoring at will. Their mm-hmm. running game is going crazy. Lamar looks even looks better throwing the ball. I, I, I have to take the Ravens, even though it's it's a road favorite. I like the Ravens in this. Yeah, one of the things I was most wrong about this entire season was my predictions about what was going to happen with Derrick Henry. I saw this 303 carries from him last year, and we see the history of guys when they get that many carries. I thought, oh, he's going to fall off. He can't possibly. He's going to stink. He probably gets like 800 yards. Needed 225 to get 2,000 and went for 250. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's The dude is just a machine, Chris. I don't know. I hate I, like it's like It's like he took it personal that I, after I drafted him two years ago in fantasy, and he was a complete, absolutely, completely, like, unusable for most of the season because he would just mm. never scored touchdowns, never got yards. And now he's just like the best running back in the league and he just churns up defenses and throws people around. Like, that's just, that's it. He, he personally smited me to become the best <laughs> running back in the league. What's frightening is the, the trajectory that he is on right now because over the, each of the last four seasons, every year he has improved his total number of carries, which by the way, 378 carries this year he's i think he you know with the playoffs i'm i have to look at this but i can't imagine there's been a heck of a lot of 400 carry guys in any given season he's certainly on track for that but he has improved his total number of carries yards touchdowns and most importantly yards per carry in each of the four the last four seasons I mean, he's he's a beneath he's a beneath he's a beast. I was gonna say freak, and then I got st- got stuck. The guy is just he's a tank. There's a reason they call him Tractor Cito. He's he's like unstoppable. How do you get better like that? And if you look <laughs> like this dude has tread on his tires, man. You look at his oh, high yeah. school. His high school numbers are insane with the number of carries that he had. Uh, maybe like maybe he didn't have as many as Alabama. He kind of took some time off for during that, but. The dude, the dude's just a tank, and he's he's like he's the only reason the Titans are probably in this situation the last two years. Oh yeah, no, I fully expected him to go to the way uh, go the way of Christian McCaffrey, who spent the entire year banged up, but instead got stronger and more productive. So sometimes these things happen. He is he is in that freak athlete category with guys like LeBron James. I feel like McCaffrey was kind of held out a little bit those last two games more mm. than uh, more than being fully banged up. But still, I mean, multiple injuries to deal with before that point. No, oh, sure, yeah, thirteen missing thirteen games is nothing to sneeze at. No, and that guy. I mean, look at the difference in those two players' builds, and you you see why somehow one held up for a three hundred and seventy eight carry season and. And Christian McCaffrey did not. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, worst game of the weekend here, the one that interests me the least. The Chicago Bears head to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. Bavada has the Saints minus 10 at home. Will the Saints be allowed to have running backs in this game? Like, is that Well, we know? the NFL does them a really big favor by giving them that Sunday game because I believe Kamara's back. 
Uh, all right, well, then, yeah, Saints, 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 Saints. I, I just don't think – I don't know how Trubisky does against the Saints defense. I know the Bears defense is good, but there's just so many options for New Orleans. Um, yeah. I, obviously, Michael Thomas probably not back, but – No, they, apparently is going to be back. Then, I mean, yeah, Saints absolutely will we'll ride with the Saints. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that while we're talking about it. I know that I know when he was initially placed on IR, it was the, there was the speculation that he would be back for the playoffs. So I uh, he may be. I haven't seen anything yet this week about it. Unfortunately. Drew Brees eager to reunite with well-rested Michael Thomas. Well, yeah, Saints, Saints, it is, buddy. <laughs> I don't trust Mitch. This David Montgomery thing has been great for the Bears. He sort of just kind of appeared in the NFL, which is amazing. No, like he, David Montgomery was a good college football player. No, I know that, but I mean I mean his his rookie year left a lot to be desired. And even For most sure. of even most of this year left a lot. But the past maybe like month and a half, two months, this guy's been unbelievable. He's been he's looked like the guy you expected when you drafted him. And I, I you can't say anything anything less about him. I, he's he's been one of the reasons they've been able to open up the offense more. He's getting yards He's he's able to grind teams down. I, that's he he is their best opportunity if they want a chance to win this game. They're gonna have to grind down that Saints defense and take advantage and hope their defense can withstand the onslaught of the New Orleans offense. Yeah, kind of a, a tale of two halves of the season for sure. This second half, you know, he's gone over a hundred three times. Came close another time. Had that big hundred and forty six yard game against Minnesota. Yeah. He is, yeah, he's certainly been a second half player this season. Well, I am, I, I cannot imagine that if this were a week 14 game, there would be a line available for it. And honestly, that's probably, that probably goes for the, the Rams Seahawks game as well. But being that it is a playoff game, we do. The Cleveland Browns head to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers and Bavada has the Steelers minus six. Oh, I thought you were going to say there wasn't a line posted on this right now. No, I'm saying I can't believe there is a line posted on but, it. But but the coaching staff shouldn't affect the line as much. I mean, I guess it does kind of, but... Yeah. I, did, what, did, has there been any difference in Cleveland between, say, Kevin Stefanski and Freddie Kitchens? Maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe the coaching <laughs> means something. It probably does, but you know Stefanski's going to have that whole game planned out and called and probably have an earpiece in from wherever he is. Not allowed to do that, apparently. Walkie-talkie. We'll figure it out. iPad, there's iMessages. I guess it's Microsoft Surface. They could probably get text messages. Um, Hand signal. Maybe a smoke signal's outside of the stadium. Uh, It's third and ten. Whatever. I I don't know how well that would work in real time. Probably not great. It might take a little bit to get up in the air. I know the advert. This is this is unfortunately like the most Browns thing that could ever happen. Like mm-hmm. get to the postseason for the first time in 18 years during a pandemic year, and the, like all of your coaching staff gets gets the disease the week the playoff is about yep. to happen. And your best offensive lineman. Yeah, that's a problem. But I'm wary mm-hmm. of the Steelers. I don't. Oh, I'm, I, I'm not. I don't. You watch these games, and maybe they were just limping in. I'm not counting Week 17 because they tanked Week 17. Um, yeah. But the the games leading up to that where they struggled, and I know they got right in, in 16, but it, to me, like, you shut down the passing game, that's it. Like, they don't have anything else. If you can get to Ben, he's nowhere near as mobile as he once was. If you can in- disrupt the passing game, you can beat the Steelers. You try to run them down. You have the two two of the best running backs in the league. Like, don't make Baker have to overdo it. I like the Browns in this game. I really do. This is sacrilegious to say in my household. I think the Steelers minus six is the biggest lock of the week. No, oh, I I don't see it that way. I think the Bucks are the bigger lock, but I just to to me like there's just something it's. It's too odd that the coaching staff stuff happened. I'm not saying the Browns necessarily win, but I think this is a much closer game than people are giving it now that the coaching issues have popped up. I don't know. Did you watch any of that Steelers-Browns game last week? Yeah, it was on whatever was on Red Zone. Well, the Browns, the Browns are already playing without Gritty Williams and Grant Delpit in that secondary. 
lost Andrew Sandejo and more importantly Denzel Ward last week. Miles Garrett hasn't been Miles Garrett since he came back from coronavirus. He is like he he walks into the stadium and he's huffing and puffing. There is no stamina whatsoever. Uh, they lose Olivier Vernon to a ruptured Achilles last week that may, may or may not cost him the entire 2021 season. Sucks for him because he's a free agent, too. Um, yeah, this is just... You lose all of those guys. Malcolm Smith has COVID. It's, I, I, just, I don't see a way that this stays close very long, unfortunately. And I, I wish I was wrong, but I mean, I guess the winner probably gets to play Kansas City. So yeah, not great. That's, that's not awesome. But you know, the the Browns, they crossed the threshold, and that's what's important. They have made it back to the playoffs. Now they have some pieces to fix. They need to address the linebacker position. They need another cornerback. They probably need another uh, wide receiver if it's not going to be Odell. There's some stuff to fix in the offseason, but there hasn't been an offseason in a very, very long time where Cleveland could be as happy with the result as this year. Yeah, I mean, everything's looking up in their situation. What's the Kareem Hunt situation? What's his contract look like? He's He just resigned prior to this year. I think he's locked in for another two or three. But huh. can, I tell, can I tell you, this has been... This has been one of the most confusing elements, and maybe Stefanski's been tactfully holding this back all year, but it's crazy to me that they don't use Hunt and Chubb together more, especially with how good a pass catcher and blocker Hunt is. You could even go base offense with those two in, have the ability to use Hunt as a fullback on running plays, have the ability to flex him out wide or in the slot, and just create confusion for the defense. Maybe it's been so obvious that they haven't been doing it because they didn't want to give them tape for the playoff games and they'll come out, use a ton of the two-back personnel. But it shocked me that it hasn't happened to this point if that wasn't the plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get your best players on the field at the same time. Make them have to game plan for it. You know what I mean? Make them have to make decisions on the fly. It seems like a no-brainer to put them both out there at the same time. Yeah, you think defenses are more worried about Kareem Hunt than Andy Janovich? Probably, probably. Just, I mean, only a tiny bit. Janovich, Janovich did have that probably two-yard run like six weeks ago. Janovich is great for what he is, but he is he is limited as an offensive weapon. The final game we're going to talk about Monday night, maybe. Not if not if uh, Saban's kid has anything to say about it. Uh, she had a really classless tweet earlier today. But the uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes take on the Alabama Crimson Tide for the NCAA National Championship, and uh, Bavada has the has Alabama minus eight, and that's gone up from minus seven and a half earlier. Probably can't tweet that. No. Probably can't tweet it. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just a I'm just an observer, but probably not the best move. Uh, to be tweeting about that during during this season in this this weird situation. No. Do I do I disagree with her? Well, let's see the facts. But mm-hmm. um, I like that. I couldn't have been more wrong about the Clemson Ohio State game, and more right about the Notre Dame Alabama game, despite Alabama not covering yeah. because of a backdoor touchdown with one minute left. Like it to me. I don't know what to think about Ohio State now. Like, did they go through the motions so bad with Northwestern that that Clemson just had no idea what was coming? Or Mm -hmm. was it the motivation? Was it the motivation of all the trash talk that Dabo talked? Dabo was running his mouth, ranking them 11th, all that stupid shit. And to me, you you gave them so much bulletin board material. And you had no ability to back it up. Justin Fields clowned your defensive backfield. Like, and and I know the 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 hit heard around the world. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want that linebacker to do in that situation, Chris? Oh, yeah, that was not a – like, that's just – that's a football play. It just happened to go that way. Tar- target The targeting rule is the single worst rule in college football, period. Yeah. To eject a player for a, a bang-bang play like that that honestly, he's going to form tackle him, and Fields spins into him. There's, there is no way to subvert what you're doing, 
And then the fact that you have guys sitting from previous games. So you're telling me that a hit in a previous game affects the next game? Yep. It's bizarre. It's I understand player safety. I do. I get it. I want everyone who goes down on the football field to walk off 100% exactly fine the same way they were when they went on to it. Mm-hmm. But that is that is a rule that is, a, and I've said it for years, that is a penalty that affects, how do you affect multiple games with one hit in a different game? Right. Like it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Now. Agreed. The national championship game. I have to, I, 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 like Ohio State has to be the play for the way they played against Clemson. Right? Like they have to be, if they come out and play even half as good as they did, they should be able to lose by less than a touchdown. I, I think Alabama wins the game. And, and I don't necessarily think they try. They, they have. I don't think they can run it up on Ohio State. I'm hoping for a track meet. I would love mm-hmm. to see these two teams just absolutely just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. But I, I think Ohio State's the play here. I'm going to go back and forth. I know like all week about it. Um, but right now, Ohio State and the points. As long as Fields can get on the field. I don't see the receivers are so good. And like that sermon dude, that sermon dude just came out of nowhere. Trey sermon. Like, I mean, big time transfer from Oklahoma, but the play has stepped up massively. Yeah. It's, it's become, he's, he's been like the best running back in college football over the past, like four weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. He, he killed it in the, in the big 10 championship game. Yeah. Obviously we all saw what he did against Clemson and it's not like Alabama is some defensive powerhouse. It's, that's not the way this team's built right now or really anymore. No. It's about well, scoring points. Yeah, not there, right now. Not right now. Yeah. It's it's a team that wants to go out there and we're just going to score as many points as possible. Our defense is there. They can hold. But it's not like they have some elite. It's not winning a game versus LSU 6-3. to three. You know what I mean? Well, that doesn't it, exist anymore. It do, Yeah, you're right. But it wasn't that long ago that that was the case. Um, t- so, to me, I, I – I I think this is a shootout, and I think Ohio State stays pace with them, but I I think Alabama wins in the end. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I think I agree with you. What a what a shocking outcome from that Ohio State Clemson game. Ohio State just kicked the crap out of them, and just kept pouring it on too. Yeah, every time you looked up, Olave was catching like a fifty-five yard touchdown pass, and you're like, "Whew, buddy, did you just play yourself into the first round? Like high yeah. first round?" Well, you no, but maybe, maybe first round. Uh, and you you have to think that they were all just like, every single one of them was thinking about Dabo and ranking them 11. So unbelievably stupid. It's it's such a misstep for a guy that's prone to misstep. Like this yeah, is, especially recently. You, you, you can't do it. You can't. And I said it last week that he was going to absolutely smash them into the turf, talking mm. trash, he's ready to yep. go. And it completely backfired completely backfired yeah that game made me wonder especially you know watching that clemson notre dame game earlier when uyagalele started just how much was trevor lawrence lifting the rest of that team up hmm are we now questioning trevor lawrence no i'm saying i'm saying that this team is not very good and trevor lawrence picked them up and carried them to a level that they would not have been at otherwise. I do I do agree with you. I do think that this this year's Clemson team pales in comparison talent-wise outside of like running back and a mm. few guys on defense. Is is Travis Etienne that good? I cuz I don't see it. Uh, I think he's I think he's pretty solid. Mm. I, I don't I, I you know I, I do not touch him in the first round. No, 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 no. Because especially you're, it, it's an ACC running back. The ACC is never – the ACC isn't known for their defense, I guess, is the, <laughs> the best way to put it. Um, but, no, to me, it, it's very apparent that this year's Clemson team, comparing the last three, was the least talented of the three that made the college football playoff. I'd say the team that won the national championship was number one. That D-line was unreal. Like, they're yeah. – they're, their defense was was so good. Five uh, guys I, went to the NFL on yeah. that defensive line, and and obviously the 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 wide receivers on that team were very good as well. Sure. And then you move on to last year's team, T. Higgins. Um, the, you know, just again a, an immense number of talent, and this year it's kind of just kind of fallen off. And you wonder if that that's sort of the cycles of college football, though. Like they you you. 
you have a bunch of super, super talented guys, and then as their replacements come in, you maybe not you're maybe not as as drilled down in recruiting as you are. You're just like, ah, five star, I need this guy, but you didn't drill down enough into him as per you know what I mean? Yeah. To see how it's gonna mesh. So I, I think you know, I think that that's kind of where it is, and and Lawrence was probably the difference. But you know, it's I'm I can't wait to see him on the NFL level. Yeah, congratulations to the Jacksonville Jaguars fans. He is going to be spectacular. I mean, he made you know obviously there's the the horrible injury to Justin Ross, the spinal cord injury going into the season. Ross was a guy who every bit as talented as that top tier of receivers in the draft this year going in the Jamar Chases, the Freemans, the Jalen Waddles, and to lose him. All of a sudden, Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper, Amari Rogers is Trevor Lawrence's number one receiver. And if 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 Amari Rogers is playing with somebody else, I think he's a sixth, maybe seventh round pick. Oof, wow. Yeah, I I really do. I I think he was just so propped up by Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he definitely couldn't get open in that game. So yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't uh, take that away from me. You know. All right. Well, that's gonna be it for this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. For Greg Crowe and I'm Chris Horwardell, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.